We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Pro teams have millions to spend, and they don't always spend them wisely. But when it comes to a great shave, you don't have to shell out tons of cash. Harry's saw customers getting ripped off by the shaving industry with overpriced, underperforming products and decided to do something better. They found their own way to make beautifully designed razors for a fraction of the price of the other big brands, so you never wonder if you overpaid. Harry's shaving products look great, and the weighted handle makes shaving feel great too. I like to keep my beard neat, and Harry's always leaves me with a smooth yet crisp shave. Harry's quality is top-notch, thanks to German-engineered blades made in their own factory that stay sharp longer. You can get a five-blade razor, weighted handle, foaming shave gel, and a travel cover for just three bucks at harrys.com slash bluewire. And Harry's has the highest customer satisfaction in the shaving industry, plus a convenient subscription option that you can cancel at any time. Getting the best doesn't mean spending the most when you shave with Harry's. Get started with a $13 trial set for just $3 at harrys.com slash bluewire. That's harrys.com slash bluewire for a $3 trial set. Twenty minutes a day. 365 days a year. This is the Pack a Day Podcast. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Pack a Day Podcast. I'm your host, Andy Herman. You can follow me on Twitter at Andy Herman NFL. Fun episode lined up for you today. Today, I'm going to be going over my 12 predictions for the Packers in this upcoming NFL draft. Something I always like to do is just kind of put myself out there and maybe make some predictions. I'm sure maybe I get a couple right. I'm sure most of them are going to be wrong because predicting how the NFL draft is actually going to go is pretty freaking hard. Even if we have seen over and over what type of players Green Bay likes, their thresholds, the age, the premium position, all of those things. We have a good understanding for Goot and what this front office likes, but even with that being said, this is always a very tough, uh, tough, you know, just draft process to predict. So I'm going to do my best. I'm going to go over my 12 predictions for today, and we are going to start off at number one, and I'm going to say that Green Bay trades down with their first pick in this draft. They're currently sitting at pick 15. Maybe they end up in a pick swap with the Jets or something like that. But ultimately, I believe that they will trade down that pick. And the reason I believe that is a couple things. A, I think the really the meat of this draft is kind of in that late first, early second. And really, really from like late first to, I would even say like middle to late third. 
I think there's a chunk of players in that realm that are all going to be, you know, good football players. And if you've done your homework and you've done your job, you have the opportunity to really hit on some key players. I think right at that number 15 spot, you're right on the fringe if you're going to get one of the top players in this draft. And certainly if a player falls, I think Green Bay could attack it. But here's how I could potentially see this playing out. Jackson Smith and Jigba off the board. The top edge rushers, your Will Andersons and your Lucas Van Nesses and your Tyree Wilsons, those type of guys off the board. Peter Skaronsky off the board. And then probably one of the other offensive tackles off the board as well. Maybe it's a Paris Johnson. Maybe it's a Broderick Jones, someone like that. But probably one of those guys off the board. Christian Gonzalez off the board. And what you're looking at is, and they probably don't want to go quarterback, and all four quarterbacks might be off the board anyway. But you're looking at your premium position players off the board. And we know Green Bay loves to go premium position players. And you look at quarterback all four could be gone. They probably don't want to go that direction anyway. Wide receiver, Jackson Smith and Jigba, probably the only one, probably gone at that point. Offensive tackle, Paris Johnson, Broderick Jones, Peter Skaronsky, depending on where you you know line him up, maybe guard, maybe tackle. But you know, two or three of those guys could ultimately be gone. Darnell Wright, I think, could potentially fall due to some of the, you know, some of the off-field concerns, background concerns. I don't necessarily believe in all of that stuff, but if you read Bob McGinn's article, there was a lot of stuff from a lot of scouts that believe it to be somewhat troubling. So that could be uh, something that causes him to fall a little bit. You look at the edge rusher, as I mentioned, the top three guys might be gone by the time Green Bay selects. And then the only corner that I think Green Bay it would be really interested in at 15 would be Christian Gonzalez and I expect him to be gone. So you could end up in this situation where as Green Bay gets to their you know number 15 pick and they want one of those premium position players that maybe, maybe one of the offensive linemen is there. And even if Paris Johnson is there, let's just use Paris Johnson, for example, even if he is there, he's a true left tackle and David Bakhtiari currently occupying that space may make that a bit complicated. And you still have a Zach Tom. You don't know what's going to happen with Yash and Iman either. So the, the board, the way that it could end up is none of the premium position players that they want are ultimately there at 15. And they could just stay and say, you know what? We've got our pick of the best tight end in the draft. You know, they could go at a you know totally different direction than what we're expecting. Maybe one of the other corners they'll take a shot on, even though it's not a, you know, not necessarily a true need and not necessarily maybe one of the guys that's their true cup of tea with the thresholds and things like that. But I think what they would do in that situation is I think they really want one of the tight ends, but they could probably understand that with Mayer and Kincaid and Washington and ultimately, um, you know, Musgrave and maybe even later in the draft, Laporta and some of these guys, I think they feel like they could probably move down and still get one of the top tight ends in this draft. And that's exactly what I expect them to do. I think instead of staying and taking, you know, taking Mayer or Kincaid at 15, I think you move back maybe to maybe not far, but maybe like 19, 20, 21, maybe pick up like a third round pick in the process and then still pick up either Mayer or Kincaid at that point in the draft, or maybe another position player that, you know, maybe it's uh, um, Adeboire, maybe it's, uh, you know, who knows? They're, they could go in a variety of different directions. Maybe it's a Brian Branch. And again, some of those players might not ultimately hit what they usually look for, but I think in this draft, they might have to compromise a little bit with what they would ideally like. But I think the start of that process is moving down from pick 15, probably in the early 20s. And I think targeting a tight end at that spot could make a lot more sense than maybe reaching a little bit at that number 15 spot. So prediction number one, Green Bay trades down in round one. Number two, not an insignificant prediction here. I'm going to predict that Aaron Rodgers will be traded on draft day. And my, I just feel like draft day is a, you know, a beautiful deadline for this thing. 
And it just makes sense that in some capacity, and when I say draft day, that could be Thursday, that could be Friday. I don't think it would be Saturday. I don't think at that point it behooves you at all to just, you know, rush a a trade that's going to get you a day three pick or something like that. At that point, just wait. But I do think day one, day two of the draft will be prime position and probably before the draft starts would be my guess. Either before the draft on day one or before the draft on day two would be those those potential likely spots. But I do think Aaron Rodgers ultimately does get traded. I think that it just makes, like I said, it's a logical you know breaking point for this. I think it all makes all the sense in the world for the Jets to know, you know, what they are going to have in draft capital prior to the draft. I think it makes sense for Green Bay to get the draft capital prior to the draft. It it just makes sense for all parties involved. And you don't want to go into rookie mini camps and OTAs as soon as this is done with Aaron Rodgers still on your roster. It feels, like I said, like the the logical point for this to get done. And my second prediction here is that Aaron Rodgers does get traded either on day one during the day or day two during the day, not necessarily during the draft itself. Bold prediction number three is what Green Bay will get in return. I'm going to say that they get pick 43, which is the second of the Jets' second round picks. So pick 43, Denzel Mims, and a conditional 2024 pick. What conditions are on that? Your guess is as good as mine. Does it start as a second that can move to a one? Does it start as a second that could move back to a three if he retires? Like I think there's there could be a variety of protections on both sides with that pick, but I'm going to say pick 43, Denzel Mims, and a conditional 2024 draft pick is what I am expecting in that deal. So yes, we all hope it's more. We certainly don't want it to be less. I get it. I don't even necessarily want to have this conversation anymore because everyone's all over the place with who has leverage and who's going to get what and what Aaron Rodgers is worth. And it swings all over the place and everyone's super aggressive with their takes. My bold take, and again, it's just a bold prediction. I'm not saying what should happen, but whatever. I'm going to say that Green Bay gets pick 43, Denzel Mims, and a conditional 2024 draft pick. All right, number four, super fun, bold prediction. We're going from trading down in the first round to Aaron Rodgers trade stuff to number four, Green Bay is going to sign Cole Tucker, wide receiver, as an undrafted free agent. Listen, I mentioned this the other day. Dane Brugler, and in his beast, the draft guy, which is amazing, by the way, has Cole Tucker in like the 200 and sums in his uh, rankings at wide receiver alone. Green Bay brought Cole Tucker in as a as a pre-draft visit with one of their top 30 visits. Cole Tucker probably not drafted in this year's draft. So what are you doing with Cole Tucker on a pre-draft visit? You are going all in to convince him to come to Green Bay when he becomes an undrafted free agent. That's the only reason to bring Cole Tucker to Green Bay. That just doesn't make any other sense. You're not drafting him. No other team is drafting him. So you want to make him a priority undrafted free agent, which is great. That's totally cool. And I love that they do it that way. It makes sense to use some of those bottom, uh, you know, bottom 30 free, you know, uh, draft visits to, to woo some of those guys as undrafted free agents. So I think Cole Tucker, probably not that sought after, not in the draft, maybe not even an undrafted free agency, but Green Bay getting a leg up on everyone else by bringing him in for a pre-draft visit. And I think it will pay off with Cole Tucker signing as a undrafted free agent as soon as the draft is over. Number five, we're going to go a little bit more bold here. And this is my maybe my boldest one of the entire uh, series here. Number five, the Packers will select Adetamiwa Adabare out of Northwestern. I don't know where they're going to select them. Maybe moving down in the first round, they take them at the end of round one. Maybe they move up with one of those two second round picks, if assuming they get one from the Jets and take them at the end of round one. Maybe he slides into the beginning of round two, whether Green Bay trades up or not, or maybe he just lasts that long. But this just feels like a Brian Gutekind's pick. Now, 
a couple things. As a edge rusher, he does not come close to their height threshold. He's about a couple inches short of their normal height threshold. They like 6'4", big guys on the edge. Everything else, though, as an edge rusher, he hits through the roof. Makes a ton of sense, all right, except for height. As a defensive lineman, he's a little bit short on height, not by much, barely, and he's a little bit short on weight as a defensive lineman, but hits absolutely everything else. And here's the thing that I think makes sense. First of all, when I watch him, I get some legitimate Rashawn Gary vibes out of him. Not necessarily the high-end upside that Gary had, although I do think Adeboire has that same sort of upside, but I also felt like he had to do some of the heavy lifting. He did get a little bit extra attention. He had that explosive first step. He has the ability to play on the edge. He'll probably kick inside a little bit if needed. Big 10 player. Like I just started to get some of those vibes. And I do think that if this is a player that Green Bay can target towards the end of round one or beginning of round two and maybe maneuver a little bit in the draft, I think he will be high on their wish list. And the thing that I love is Green Bay doesn't totally need a like first round pick or early second round pick defensive lineman. And they don't really totally need a early first round pick or late set or late first or early second round pick edge rusher per se, but they need both of those guys. And I think Adebore actually helps them in both. I think he can give them that next rotational player. Like I think if you have Adeboire, Clark, Devontae Wyatt, and TJ Slayton, I think that's a phenomenal group of four on your defensive line to start off with. Meanwhile, if you have an edge that consists of Rashawn Gary, Preston Smith, Kingsley and Igbari, and Adeboire, uh, uh, excuse me, Adeboire Bar, I'm going to mess that name up a million times, Adetamewa Adebare, so Adebare, um, if they do have the opportunity to you know, put him in that rotation as well, that is a perfect group on the edge also. So I really like that he can help in both of those scenarios and give Joe Barry a bit of flexibility. We know that Green Bay absolutely loves flexibility at all of their positions, guys that can do a variety of different things. I think this is a player who they can plug in and can help their defensive line rotation, can plug in and can help their edge rotation. Like I said, he's just a little bit off on uh, height and weight as a defensive lineman and just the two inches short as as an edge rusher. But the fact that I think he can give them both is what I think is really going to entice Green Bay. Like I said, a little bit Rashawn Gary there and just a Green Bay type of pick is super high Raz score at both positions, at both defensive line and edge rusher. That's the type of freak athlete that he is. And Green Bay loves these high-end freak athletes that they think they're going to be able to mold and make them into superstar players. So it fits for me. It's a little bit bold because he doesn't quite hit either threshold. And they might be in a little bit of no man's land where I think he probably goes end of round one, early round two, and they might have to maneuver to kind of get to that spot. But I'm going to say that Green Bay finds a way to select him and he helps as both a edge rusher and a defensive lineman. And hopefully if Green Bay does draft him at some point, I can figure out his name and get it right. Adetamiwa Adabare. All right, we're going to end with that right there. Number six, Green Bay will leave the draft with an Illinois safety. So we're going Big Ten here, back-to-back predictions. There are two safeties from Illinois that are likely going to be selected in the middle of the draft, Jartavis, Quan Martin, and Sidney Brown. And once again, both of these are a little bit short on the ideal thresholds for Green Bay. Uh, Quan Martin visited with the team and I think is going to be somebody that they very much target in the middle of the draft. He's about six pounds short of their ideal weight at the position. If you're looking at them, what they normally like is around 200 pounds. He's 194. That's not going to hold them back for anything. 
everything else he hits at for their normal thresholds, and he is a 9.79 RAS score guy. Meanwhile, Sidney Brown, about an inch short of their ideal height, but hits absolutely everything else, and is a 9.68 RAS score guy. So both of them are extremely athletic, extremely high RAS score guys, hit almost all the thresholds, just a little bit off one inch on height or uh, you know six pounds on weight. I don't think that's going to hold Green Bay back one iota from targeting those two. I think Green Bay is going to target safety on the like the middle of the draft round three, round four, and both of these guys are targeted to go right in that range. I'm going to say that Green Bay leaves with one of these two safeties and they ultimately get one of the two Illinois safeties in the middle of the draft to help the back end of their defense, which desperately needs help at the moment. And whichever one they do select will slot in as a starter almost immediately. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Pro teams have millions to spend, and they don't always spend them wisely. But when it comes to a great shave, you don't have to shell out tons of cash. Harry's saw customers getting ripped off by the shaving industry with overpriced, underperforming products and decided to do something better. They found their own way to make beautifully designed razors for a fraction of the price of the other big brands, so you never wonder if you overpaid. Harry's shaving products look great, and the weighted handle makes shaving feel great too. I like to keep my beard neat, and Harry's always leaves me with a smooth yet crisp shave. Harry's quality is top-notch, thanks to German-engineered blades made in their own factory that stay sharp longer. You can get a five-blade razor, weighted handle, foaming shave gel, and a travel cover for just three bucks at harrys.com slash bluewire. And Harry's has the highest customer satisfaction in the shaving industry, plus a convenient subscription option that you can cancel at any time. Getting the best doesn't mean spending the most when you shave with Harry's. Get started with a $13 trial set for just $3 at harrys.com slash bluewire. That's harrys.com slash bluewire for a $3 trial set. Number seven, I'm going to say that Green Bay selects at least five playmakers in this draft at minimum. All right. So that means wide receiver, tight end, running back. And I'm going to say probably at least two tight ends, probably at least two wide receivers, and probably at least one running back. That's going to be what I think Green Bay goes with in this draft. I think it is going to be a playmaker heavy draft. This Green Bay team needs a new tight end room. They need depth at wide receiver. They need a long-term running back for potential replacements for both AJ Dillon and Aaron Jones. It just makes sense that they go heavy at playmaker. This is a deep tight end draft. This is a very good running back 
quarterback draft. It's an okay wide receiver draft, but really where Green Bay needs it. They don't necessarily, if they can get a Jackson Smith and Jigba, great, but if they don't necessarily need that number one guy right now, they've got Watson, they've got Dobbs. There's going to be great depth at that position. I think that's what Green Bay is going to target. So at least five playmakers in this draft, two running backs, excuse me, one running back, two wide receivers, two tight ends, and they could even, you know, go above and beyond that based on what the current needs are for this team. All right. Number eight on my list is that the Packers are going to draft Clayton Toon, the quarterback out of Houston in either the fourth or fifth round. Green Bay needs a backup quarterback. Toon to me is the most fit to be not only a backup this year, but also has some long-term upside in this draft. He also hits what Green Bay generally likes. He's got good athleticism. He's got good arm strength. He's got, you know, solid height. Like you just watch him play and he looks like, you know, kind of a Green Bay Packer-ish quarterback, hits their height and weight almost to a T. So I think Green Bay goes in this direction. There's not a ton of quarterbacks in this draft that makes sense for Green Bay. Toon just happens to be one of them. And I think in that fourth, fifth round in this draft, Green Bay will select him. And I do think he becomes a good backup for Green Bay. I don't know what his ultimate long-term potential is and if he could work his way into becoming a starting caliber quarterback, but I do think he can be a very good backup. And around that point in the draft, especially when you don't really have a backup quarterback already, I think there is value there for Toon for Green Bay in either round four or round five. Number nine is hearkening back a little bit to number one on my list with Green Bay trading down in the draft. But I mentioned earlier that I thought they would trade down to maybe pick 2021 and still pick maybe like the top tight end in this draft, something in that realm. But I want to just say here too, that I think Green Bay will aggressively look for their Marcus Davenport trade 2.0. If you remember in the Jair Alexander draft, They were slotted to pick in the top 15 of the draft. They move all the way down to the end of round one and they pick up a future first round pick by doing that deal. Now they end up moving back up, giving up a third round pick plus some other stuff. And they ultimately get Jair Alexander uh, in the middle of the draft. So it was a really genius maneuver from Brian Gutekunst. In this situation, I think they would move back. I don't necessarily think that they would be aggressive in moving back up on the draft board, but I do think that they would love, 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 love to move down in round one one, if they could pick up a future first round pick, a la what the Saints did with Marcus Davenport and moving up for him, I think Green Bay would absolutely love to do that. I think they should be absolutely aggressive in trying to do something like that. And if any team is dumb enough to give up an unprotected future first round pick uh, when next year has a potential generational quarterback in that draft, amongst other things, you just take your puncher's chance. And you never know with that team that's trading you the future first round pick, if all of a sudden they get an injury at quarterback, all of a sudden end up being one of the worst teams in the league and you end up with a top five, top 10 pick next year, that could have a ton of value. So just to move down in round one in a draft that's not that great and pick up a future first in a draft that's supposed to be really much, uh, you know, a lot better next year. I think that makes so much sense for Green Bay and they should actively be looking for that very similar type of deal by moving down to the end of round one and picking up a first round pick in exchange. Even if they had to give up like another fourth or fifth round pick to make that happen, I think that's well within the realm of reason. And I, I again, I would beyond love that if I were Green Bay, that would be a home run situation for Brian Gutekunst. Uh, Number 10 is once the draft is done, and they, of course, they're going to go out and get their undrafted free agents. There are still going to be holes on this team. Maybe tight end or wide receiver or safety just doesn't fall the way that they want. They can't fill out those positions as aggressively as they would have liked to have. Maybe they don't get another edge rusher. Maybe they don't get another defensive lineman. There are go- Maybe they don't get a kicker. There's going to be things in this draft that they just ultimately do not address, and they're going to have to be aggressive in post-draft free agency. There are still some really good free agents that are out there, including some of Green Bay 
Bay's own, like a Mercedes Lewis, uh, that maybe Green Bay would have interest in, depending on how the draft goes, you know, at the tight end position. But ultimately, there's going to be holes out there. Don't expect big names. Don't expect names that are going to come in and change this. Most of those guys are already signed. But I do expect Green Bay to be heavily involved, signing some of those guys like they have with Devondre Campbell in the past to try to get a guy in that can help this team right now and doesn't leave any major gaping holes. I do think Brian is going to want to give Matt LaFleur the ability to go out and compete. I think he's going to want to give Jordan Love enough, you know, just offense in in general, weapons, offensive line to be able to go out there and not be just a, a sitting duck and not have the, you know, really the, you know, the wide receivers who can separate the tight ends who can give them a safety valve, the offensive line that can protect them. I think you want a real honest evaluation of Jordan Love this upcoming year. And because of that, I do think Brian's going to fill out this roster. Again, don't expect some huge names, but I do expect some guys that are fringe, you know, you know, 1 million to 2 million, you know, sort of guys, exactly like Devondre Campbell, exactly like a Rick Wagner, exactly like those type of guys that they've signed in the past. Watch out for Green Bay to be aggressive as soon as the draft is over. Number 11, this is probably the least bold prediction of my predictions today. I don't think Green Bay Packer fans are necessarily going to end up happy with this draft for a variety of things. A, I mean, anytime you potentially trade away a, you know, Hall of Fame quarterback, some people will be very happy with that. Others will not be, but some fans will be disappointed that Aaron Rodgers is potentially traded away on draft day. Secondly, I think everyone's expecting a, you know, a, a draft that has a playmaker early and they're expecting either a Jackson Smith and Jigba or a Michael Mayer or a Dalton Kincaid. And maybe that happens, but I think there's a much better chance that they do ultimately go with a premium position player, offensive line, maybe edge rusher, maybe corner. And I think that is going to frustrate some players. I think, you know, seeing an offensive lineman selected, maybe an heir apparent to David Bakhtiari, who doesn't necessarily even fit in. Like if they fit, you know, if they drafted a, a Paris Johnson, you know, who's basically going to be a depth piece until they move on from David Bakhtiari, rather than going out and helping the, the team at tight end wide receiver or safety, which are huge needs right now. I think that's going to upset some people. And I just think as, as we get through this draft, I think fans are going to start to realize some of the holes that this team ultimately has and that Brian probably wasn't able to fill all of them. And just about every single draft, fans are unhappy in some capacity. Green Bay didn't get the guy that they want. Green Bay has a propensity of maybe going a little bit off of the, the normal beaten path of you know the players that a lot of the draft Knicks and draft experts and draft analysts usually like. And I just have a feeling that this is going to be a very similar draft where Brian Gutekunst has his own guys that he likes, some highly athletic players, young, talented, premium position, and it may not ultimately add up with what Packer fans are expecting or hoping for. And for that reason, I think fans are going to be a little bit disappointed when we get to the end of this draft. And then last but not least, number 12, is that this draft will forever alter the state of the Packers franchise. For good, bad, and different, ugly, I have no idea. But if Green Bay does in fact trade Aaron Rodgers away, if they do get some sort of draft capital from the Jets in this draft, and even just having a draft with that many picks, including potentially three top 50 picks, if they do get the Jets first or second round pick in this draft, that is a massive, you know, franchise altering weekend. Anytime you trade away a player of the caliber of Aaron, and yes, it might feel like it's been a done deal already, and we already knew that it was going to happen actually seeing it come to fruition and actually seeing him as a member of the New York Jets or whatever team he ultimately ends up with is still going to hit a certain way. And it's still going to realize like, oh, there's no, at least as we know of, there's no Hall of Fame quarterback on this roster anymore. There is no Brett Favre. There's no Aaron Rodgers and quarterback for the first time in a long time is a question mark. That's going to hit differently, right? And you've got, like I said, what Green Bay gets in exchange for Aaron Rodgers. Is Brian Gutekunst able to hold up 
you know, and, and hold out long enough where they get premium picks? Does he somehow get, you know, uh, you know, at least at or above first round value in exchange for him? If so, he's done phenomenal work. If all of a sudden it's like a fourth round pick and a future fifth or something crazy, he's done awful work. And that is concerning. And that would alter the franchise in a negative way. And if it's anything in between, then we're going to have to sort of, you know, figure out, all right, is it a win? Is it a loss? Either way, that's a franchise altering move. And then just having that much draft capital. And even right now, they've got a top 15 pick. That's not something, although it's happened a little bit more than usual lately with guys like Jair Alexander and, and Rashawn Gary and those type of picks being in the top 20, but they've got a top 20 pick, a top 15 pick at pick 15 right now. That's a franchise altering decision. Just whoever you select at that spot and then having potentially uh, at least uh, one second, if not two, potentially two or three top 50 picks. Like this is just a weekend that is going to change the Green Bay Packers. Do they trade other players? I don't I don't necessarily think so. I know, you know, Ben mentioned that where they're at from a salary cap standpoint, it makes it very prohibitive to trade anyone at least pre-June 1st. So I don't necessarily think that that's going to happen, but Darnell Savage could get moved. That's not completely out of the realm of possibility. Like there are some other moves that could get made. So I do think that this has the potential to be a massive franchise altering weekend, including a Aaron Rodgers trade and including a very important draft for the future of this Packers team. So just to run it down one more time, number one, I think Green Bay is going to trade down in round one. Number two, I think Aaron Rodgers will get traded during the draft. Number three, the Packers will receive pick 43 Denzel Mims in a conditional 2024 pick in exchange for Aaron Rodgers. Number four, the Packers are going to sign Cole Tucker as an undrafted free agent. Number five, get to do it again. The Packers are going to select Adetamiwa Adabare out of Northwestern in either the first or second round of this draft. Number six, the Packers will leave the draft with an Illinois safety, either Jertavis, Jertavius Quan Martin or Sidney Brown. Number seven, they're going to draft at least five playmakers. Number eight, Clayton Toon will be selected in either the fourth or fifth round. Number nine, the Packers will aggressively look for that Marcus Davenport Saints deal to pick up a future first round pick. Number 10, the Packers will be aggressive in post-draft cheap free agency. Number 11, Packers fans are not going to be happy with the draft in some capacity for some reason. And number 12, draft weekend will forever change the Packers and this franchise for the foreseeable future. For good, bad, or ugly, that will remain to be seen. That's going to do it for me today. Thank you so much for joining me. I'll be right back here tomorrow with an all new episode. But until next time, and as always, go Pack Go! happening daily. We're being conned by the institutions we used to trust. The mainstream media is distracting us with meaningless headlines instead of focusing on the harsh realities facing American families. Time is short before something big happens, and that's why so many folks are preparing. They're becoming self-reliant by investing in emergency food storage from My Patriot Supply. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure four-week emergency food kits for each member of your family. Each kit contains tasty breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. 
Save $50 on each four-week food kit you purchase. Plus, get free shipping on Ready Hour four-week emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour Foods. At My Patriot Supply, you can also get solar power generators, water filtration units, heirloom seeds, and survival gear. Order by 3 p.m. and your unmarked boxes ship the same day. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com.